Welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM. Radio Arlington, we are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and uh, we are back here at the Museum of Science Fiction's Escape Velocity Convention here at National Harbor, Maryland. Started yesterday, it's going on today, it's going on tomorrow too. You've got time to get out. It's a unique blend of science fiction and science fact. They've got NASA scientists here. We've got, I mean, it, it, it's just fantastic. But look, I'm joined on today's show by the Great Geek Refuge's Mike Lunsford. And we're also fortunate to have a staff person from the Museum of Science Fiction Escape Velocity Convention. He is Charles Hildebrandt, and he's been kind of bring this up to speed on everything that's going on with this show and uh, we were you know uh, we uh, just now and Charles I'm, I'm, I'm sort of going to pull the curtain aside a little bit on what goes on sometimes during these breaks but uh, Charles yeah Charles was asking me <laughs> about uh, how old I was and part of that was to establish what kind of fan I was you know where was my uh, sort of intro point and um, you know so we established that uh, you know I'm one of these guys who uh, oh, Forbidden Planet, the 1956 MGM picture uh, starring Walter Pidgeon and Leslie Nielsen. You know that 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 was one and, of the and Francis. Yeah, and oh, and <laughs> and, and Francis. <laughs> we cannot leave Miss Francis out. You know, good gracious. But uh, you know the the movie that introduced Robbie the robot. You know, so um, uh, yes, and uh, and and, mm -hmm. and really, really, if we're honest about it, the first. Star Trek movie. <laughs> if you've never seen Forbidden Planet, yeah, and, treat yourself. Yeah, yeah. treat yourself to, to see a film where just about everything from Star Trek is, is there. That's where it all came from. And, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you can see it. Oh, indeed. Well, and, uh, you know, of course, uh, Gene Roddenberry, uh, being the visionary that he was, recognized that there was going to be in the future a necessity for some sort of uh, structure. So. Uh, hey, and, and, and there it was, you know. So I, I was very impressed with that particular movie. I got to tell you, though, Charles, the only thing I wasn't as crazy about was the music, those tonalities. Yeah, it's kind of true. Certainly, but yeah. certainly radical in 1956. Mm -hmm. uh, or were they just way too ahead of their time that they're, it's still not in style? Mm. Maybe, maybe we haven't caught up be. to the film yet. <laughs> <laughs> that well, would happen? Uh, I don't think it ever will be. Well, mm, hey. I, would not, I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that. Let me tell you something. As yeah. big a fan as I am of movie soundtracks, that is uh, regrettably not going to be yeah, one. Yeah, I know. That, it's pretty uh, hard you know, to hum yeah. Forbidden Planet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, um, you know, we, we've established that we are among the, the same generation. Yep. What was what was one of your entry points? Or was it Yeah, yeah no, well, so, so um, okay, as uh, we've talked about before the break, uh, I am... Uh, I am uh, a science fiction fan, not by choice. I was born that way. <laughs> uh, I suppose so. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I came from a science fiction fan family, mm -hmm. and I grew up with it. I, I, I was born that way, and um, I mean, uh, my father woke me up at 4 a.m. when I was probably seven years old so that I could watch the George Powell uh, oh, War of the, War of the Worlds, Worlds. From yeah. 1953. Gene Barry. Gene Barry yeah. on a black and white television with a UHF antenna. Because, <laughs> you know, in the, in the primordial time before Netflix, 
you couldn't just watch any movie. You couldn't just there wasn't it just didn't work that way. No. Before Netflix, before VCR, you had to just wait until something was on TV. And if you're if a movie you loved was gonna be on at 4 a.m., well. You got up at 4 a.m. to watch it. <laughs> and if you wanted your son to watch your favorite movie, you got him up at 4 a.m. to watch it. That wow. was your dad's favorite movie? Yeah, he had oh, two, he had two uh-huh. favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. One was the 53 War of the Worlds, and the other was the 55 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a classic. You can't like, beat either yeah. of those, right? So, um, so in terms of film, uh, yeah, I mean, that, I'm, I'm telling you my entry points. It's really <laughs> old stuff. And, of course, because mm-hmm. of him, right, I had an entry into an even older generation of science fiction film because uh, at a young age I was already watching the Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers serials. Ah, like way yeah. Way before my time, but but nevertheless. So, yeah, no, I was familiar with it at the time. I will say that I was um, the only kindergartner I knew who was a big fan of 2001 A Space Odyssey. My <laughs> parents took me to see it when I was, <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, and, and I loved it. I was absolutely, I was absolutely enchanted with it. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but certainly Forbidden Planet is high on the list, uh, for sure, as uh, one of my entry points in terms of film. And, and, and you know, uh, well, television, it's Star Trek, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that was what was on when I was a kid at the time. Uh, I'm a little bit, um, a little bit odd uh, for a Star Trek fan in that my first exposure to Star Trek was the animated series. Oh, really? Yeah, I watched that for about a month and then was flipping channels and said, hey, there's a live-action version of this cartoon. <laughs> Whoa, that's you know, cool. Actually, oh, that's hilarious. As, wow. a, as a young kid, I was too. Yeah. It wasn't the first one that I got, but um, they started rerunning it on Nickelodeon yes. when Nickelodeon was still a very young network. Yep. Mm. So I remember being a little kid watching the original series and the original series movies with my with my parents yep. and then seeing the cartoon. Yep. So, yeah, I, yep. I got a lot of that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, actually, the cartoon was great. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, certainly low budget and uh, zero budget for filmation, but... It was, uh, uh, it was, you know, it was half hour and packed a whole lot of Star Trek into 30 minutes for kids. That was where we learned that Robert April was the first captain of the Enterprise. That is absolutely right. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Hey. All right. But I see that uh, we have the aforementioned Morgan Gendel, you know? So, yeah, please. But thank you, Charles, yeah, so much uh, for indeed, your time. Indeed, you know? Please sit down. Hello. Good gracious. Hey, you know, we're, we're so happy to be able to get you on the show. I know that you are actually on your way someplace else, but, you know. It's a happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a happy hour now. Good gracious that you're here. So, of course, we were uh, talking earlier, and uh, Charles mentioned that you were one of the special guests here at Escape Velocity. And uh, in addition to being a, a television producer and a screenwriter, uh, you have the distinction of having written one of the most popular episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, The Inner Light. I, if you say so, I guess I did. <laughs> it's not for me to say how popular it is, but I do, uh, I do hear that people really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I, you know, thank you so much for that. And have you been finding the convention so far? You know what? This is the best year of a convention that's already terrific. I love this convention because it brings together not just sci-fi, but science. It brings the two together. And I have to say, I don't remember it being this busy in previous years. I think people are finally catching on to Escape Velocity. It's a great convention. Ah, there you go. Hey, but you've got something new that's out. Well, I do have a novel, if that's what you're referring to. I Mm -hmm. I have my first novel. It's Mm -hmm. science fiction. It's kind of like action adventure it's really just a fun yarn 
and um, it's coming out uh, on Amazon in, I'd say, two to three weeks. Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't. I, I was sort of under the impression that it was already out, but I knew that, you know, and of course, if you like this man's work, you're going to like this too. Please look you know? for I it. Mean. Just go to Kindle and look for it. I think it's going to be up for pre-order, but any day now, next uh, couple of weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what it's about? I can say this much. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, a planet where Earth colonists are patrolling and keeping this planet safe, and they have kind of like, let's call them the Marines, only they fly around on flying discs. Like Lone Rangers, one man, one disc. Mm-hmm. And there's a young guy who's a, a, a new cadet, mm-hmm. and he goes joyriding on his superior officer's disc, which he wasn't supposed to have. And he flies over enemy territory, and mm-hmm. he sees something he wasn't supposed to see. Ooh. And this is going to change the history of this planet, mm-hmm. potentially, with all the responsibility on this young cadet's shoulders. Wow. Okay. All right. So uh, coming out on Amazon in the next couple of weeks. Hey. Yes. Kindle. Right. It's a Kindle, the Kindle. ebook. Uh, there you go. And all I'm right. going to have it in mm-hmm. paperback as well. All right. Well, that's great. All right. Now, so... Um, a couple other questions before we let you get off to happy hour. I know you're anxious, and, <laughs> and you know, I, surely you've been basking in the adoration of the fans. It's so great that they get the chance to, you know, up close and personal with you. You know, but what 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 sort of uh, what sort of feedback have you be getting from people? I mean, they just love seeing you. I mean, what what is it when they find out that you wrote this? You know, in fact, the only ep- the only episode of uh, the Next Generation to win a Hugo. I don't think that's yeah. true. I think some. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah. So well, it, yeah, when yeah. it won it, mm-hmm. when uh, the Inner Light won the Hugo Award, it mm-hmm. hadn't been given out to an episode of television for 25 years previous, and mm. t- that episode was City on the Edge of Forever yeah, with, they, from the yeah, original yeah. series, uh-huh. which I revere, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was kind of a big deal. The Hugo Award has changed. I think now they give it out to screen projects every year, so they give it. It used to be just a literary award, right. mm-hmm. so. I figure, you know, I got very lucky. I came in with a good idea. I worked with the Star Trek writers, and we made it better. And then it had the phenomenal acting of Sir Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. And so if you put it all together, and I was just talking to one of the fans. Here it is, an episode. It's not really science fiction, except for how you get in and out of the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are no bad guys. If I had gone in and said to them, hey, I got an episode. It's not really science fiction. There are no bad guys. They would have laughed me out of the room. <laughs> and here it ends up being a very... Uh, as Hollywood Reporter call it, uh, beloved episode. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes just things all fall into place. Uh, indeed. Hey, who were some of your influences uh, as far as science fiction or writing in general coming up? Well, I grew up revering Isaac Asimov, who I actually had the pleasure to meet. And also uh, another icon that I had the pleasure to meet and work with was the late Stan Lee. Mm. Stan isn't science fiction per se, but he is in that fantasy adventure category. And I'd say Star Wars, which I saw as a young man, and I feel so lucky in this day and age to have seen the original Star Wars (laughs) when it first came out, before we knew what was to come, before anybody knew that Darth was Luke's father. I mean, you go into this so naive not knowing anything I look back on that and that was a very special thing and that had a big influence on me I think Star mm-hmm. Wars pulled together a lot of the things I'm already talking about Isaac Asimov the concept of a galactic empire it was just really fun and uh, I think that might might have been I think I'd already decided I wanted to be a TV writer I hadn't moved to Los Angeles yet mm-hmm. but now I teach screenwriting and I always use Star Wars as a reference point it's just I think we can ignore sometimes 
what a well-constructed, tight store. Of course, there's a reason it's stood the test of time. Still making. That was a big influence on me, too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, look, I know you want to get out to happy hour. <laughs> I'm going. Was, I'm glad I could stop here and talk to you. Well, and I, what a pleasure. Thank I, I appreciate you, you stopping by. And uh, I hope that we get the opportunity to talk a little bit more because uh, I would love to get uh, a more extensive, in-depth interview with you and at I've some point this week. so many questions for you. you. Just call me when it's not happy hour. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like I'm an addict to happy hour. I just, hey, happened, you, I just did a panel here, and I had some six terrific scientists yeah. on this panel. And I told them I would meet them there, so it's really more about meeting them. It's not, just, I don't want to give the fans the wrong idea. No, no, hey, look, but we'll I, do it again. I appreciate you stopping Thank you by, so sir. Much. Thank you. All right, Morgan Gendel, yeah. the uh, noted author and producer and screenwriter. And uh, yeah, man. See, Mike, aren't you glad you came out to this thing? Of course, yes, always. <laughs> well, and like, I, I wanted to ask questions, but like, I could, I could tell that he was like, I got this thing I got to do, and like, yeah, look, hey, but yeah. uh, we, but, I mean, if, if you have scientists who were like, hey, you know, meet us at happy hour, you don't say no to scientists. No, you certainly don't. Good gracious. But yeah. we were, you know, it, it, we're supposed to get Gigi Edgley too. Oh, I'm yeah. sure we will. Well, uh, well, it looks like it looks yeah. like that's going to be happening any nah, second th now. There you go. Yeah, you I know? wanted to, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask him. Like, as somebody who has written before, like, I never know if the way I come up with stories is mm -hmm. normal or if the, it's, <laughs> like, I wanted to ask There's him, like, nothing about you that's you know, normal, yeah, Mike. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell me something I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. like, what did his inspiration for the inner light or any of the things that he's written, is it just something where he's just sitting around on his couch one day and he's like, you know, it'd be really cool if Picard was, you know, transported back in time and got to live the life of somebody else and had a magical flute. Like, it, it's... Mm -hmm. Where did it all come from? Was there another story that inspired him for this? Because that's, I mean, that's what's great about writing and stories is, honestly, I love the behind-the-scenes stuff. What mm -hmm. made that person get to that point where they wanted to tell that story? Yeah. No, that is interesting. All right, yeah. look. Uh, WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. You're listening to Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am joined today by Mike Lunsford of The Great Geek Refuge. And uh, what is it? That is that uh, greatgeekrefuge.com? You like, got it. Easy enough to find. Yeah, you know, wonderful platform where you can actually catch this show as a podcast. Indeed you can. And, uh, and the numbers are rising. It's they absolutely are. fabulous, you know. They are. So anyway, but we're coming to you live from, oh, wow, that musical cue. We're almost out of time. Ah, I hope Gigi gets here quick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, but of course, we are coming to you uh, live from the Museum of Science Fiction's Escape Velocity that is here in National Harbor. Okay. Well, we are going to... Remotes, man, because... You know, you get these guests on, and uh, I, all right. Well, I tell you, you know what, what you I, can do though, you can tease it, and you can say, "Hey, you're going to hear the live version as much as we can, but there'll also be a podcast version that you can listen to later." Uh, indeed. Well, and and we're certainly going to do that. So, all right. And I I, I see Miss Edgley coming now. So, oh, and she's all glittery, glittery, yeah, yeah glittery, shimmery. Look at this. Yeah, come on. Yeah, please, come on. <laughs> G.G. Edgley, sit I down, am. please. Thank now, you. now, we're almost out of time. Oh, <laughs> but hello, no, no, hello. but it, no, it's not really your fault. Yeah, indeed. I'm on you know? Australian time, <laughs> island time. 
Hey, how are you enjoying the convention so far? Amazing. I love Escape Velocity. I've been here before in 2016. I remember. Uh, they're just amazing. So welcoming. It's at a beautiful location. Amazing like booths everywhere you look. M meeting, matching, colliding. Fantasy sci-fi with real life sci-fi is mind-blowing to me, and I love it. Yeah. All right. So um, what are you working on now? I mean, I figure, wow, we, we, we got her here. Yeah, you, there, there's got to be something yes, that you did. Yes, there, are, there yeah. are a mm -hmm. few things bubbling away. Mm -hmm. So uh, Farscape actually has just been uh, released again on Amazon Prime. Oh, really? And wow. there's been serious discussions that they uh, may be uh, writing a series at the moment and that um, some of the original cast may well be involved. And I'm like, hurry up, pick me, pick me. <laughs> so that's all very exciting. So mm -hmm. if anyone likes Farscape out there, please watch it, tweet it, share it, love it, because they're, they're, the whole reason why it's on Amazon Prime is to build a bit of more momentum. So right. mm -hmm. that's fantastic. And then in, in my uh, private life, I've just had a little baby. She's five oh, months old. congratulations. Yeah. Uh, her first name is Sky. Her middle name is Walker. Oh, <laughs> that is awesome. We're complete geeks. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, we were just actually flown to the UK, Skywalker, Baby Daddy and myself. Mm -hmm for the UK premiere of an amazing film that we did called Hashtag. Uh, it's a short film and we're using it as a sizzle reel to create an anthology series. Uh, so we're shopping around the festival circuit as mm -hmm. we speak. So there's a few things bubbling away. Still doing my music as well, which is, which is lovely. It's a nice channel mm -hmm. to get rid of all this creative, silly energy that I have <laughs> bursting through my veins. Well, we are delighted that you have come out to this convention. Thank you Because for it's so wonderful to have a creative talent like yourself. And I'm a huge Star Farscape fan. Thank you. You know, I love Chiana. You know, it's like, but it, and there's something else, that special ops thing oh, yeah, that you did. Yeah, ops. you know, I mean, I wasn't as big a fan of that, but that's only because I didn't watch it as much. I was, you know, uh, any kind of special ops thing, I think, oh, it's like a video game. You know? I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed that you know it because it's like, uh, it's funny, I do so many of these conventions and mm -hmm. everyone's like, well, what have you been doing after Farscape? And I went, well, I've been working, you know, as a, a non-alien actress <laughs> in Australia for the past, you know, 10, 15 years as well. And they're like, wait, it's not sci-fi? We don't want to know about it. <laughs> Uh, but there's some great um, shows that I've been involved with yeah. and I've made it um, possible if people want to check out any of the Australian uh, productions that I worked on. I've got some pretty cool clips and everything on my website, which is myname.com, ggedgely.com. Mm -hmm. So if they swing by there, they can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and all that fun stuff. And I'm constantly, as you guys know, going to comic cons and can't wait to meet people along the way and mm -hmm. share lots of new ideas and productions with them that's fantastic all right well look i i you know we are bumping up at the edge of the end of the show but i hey you know but anytime and in fact i because we also do a podcast in addition to the radio show mike reminded me so if you're going to be free at some point we have the we'll, tools we have yeah. the technology we can make it happen <laughs> we have the technology the, so we can tease the longer version all right done deal done all right gg edgley me. Thank you. Thanks for coming out and for just it's being awesome. a geek fan and <laughs> interacting with the fans. And I, I, I love the glitter. I love that. Shimmering. <laughs> shimmering. Shining. All right. Okay. So, Fantastic Forum uh, is coming to you again via 
WERA. Uh, we are a community radio station. Please check us out at WERA.FM. Also, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. If you are listening in the Arlington area, you can check us out on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38. Uh, it is on at 8 p.m. on Saturday nights and Sunday nights. And, at least for the moment, the show still re-airs on Wednesday at 3 p.m., but I am told that we're going to have to find another re-air slot. So thank you so much for tuning in and make it out to Escape Velocity. It's still out here at National Harbor. Be here till tomorrow and tune in again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the back holes. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and for the next hour, we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and discussion about your favorite geeks. This is Fantastic Forum, and thanks for tuning in. First, some genre-related news before we get to today's show. This week marked the 20th anniversary of the debut of the first of George Lucas's Star Wars prequels. Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, premiered in theaters on May 19, 1999. And while the movie has received mixed reviews from fans, it demonstrated that Star Wars was a franchise to be reckoned with, as it earned over $474 million in the domestic market and over $1 billion worldwide. And while the movie gave us both Jar Jar Binks and Darth Maul, it remains a source of controversy among the Star Wars faithful as the debate about its quality continues to rage even 20 years later but it unquestionably set the stage for the resurgence the franchise enjoys to this day. May 19th also marked the end of George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series as the finale of Game of Thrones aired on HBO and its various affiliated platforms. And while this was yet another franchise that provided stories that received mixed reviews from its fans, the episode made history for the viewing numbers it generated. The final episode drew over 19.3 million viewers between HBO and streaming and on-demand services HBO Go and HBO Now. This surpassed the previous record of 18.4 million, which was set by last week's episode. And the 13.6 million viewers who watched the 9 p.m. broadcast on HBO broke the record for the single largest telecast in the network's history which had been held by the season four premiere of The Sopranos. But fans of the show need fear not, as Home Box Office is reported to have a number of spin-off series currently in development, the first of which is rumored to be a prequel set in the early days of Westeros. More on this as information becomes available. A trailer for James Cameron's Terminator Dark Fate dropped this week. 
Of course, the movie returns control of the Terminator franchise to the man who created it, and it features one of the original stars returning as Linda Hamilton reprises her role as Sarah Connor. You can find a link on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Marvel has announced a second printing for Savage Avengers issue number one. Although the new title just arrived on May 1st, it sold out quickly. Written by Jerry Dugan and illustrated by Mike Deodato, the book features the unusual roster of Wolverine, The Punisher, Venom, Elektra, Dr. Voodoo, and Conan the Barbarian. Filming has wrapped for the new DC Universe original series Swamp Thing. Star Virginia Madsen confirmed on her Instagram page that filming for season one is finished. Swamp Thing debuts on the DC Universe streaming service on May 31st. Today, we're on location at the Museum of Science Fiction's Escape Velocity Convention at the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center. And we are loving this and we are loving this convention here because it's all about science fiction, fantasy, and fact. So, we are fortunate enough to be joined by Charles Hildebrandt who is a member of the staff, and uh, also uh, you may recognize the name Hildebrandt <laughs> because, uh, it, it, okay, um, why don't you tell us who your dad is? <laughs> uh, that's, I think, uh, absolutely, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, my name is Charles Hildebrandt, and I am the uh, production counsel for the Museum of Science Fiction and for Escape Velocity, our science fiction and science fact convention being held at Gaylord National Harbor this weekend. Um, so yeah, uh, I have kind of a connection to the world of science fiction. Uh, I am myself uh, an intellectual property and entertainment lawyer, but my dad was not a lawyer. My dad was an artist, a commercial artist and illustrator of some repute in his time back in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. Uh, and he had a long career and and he, in his time, he did a little bit of everything. He did uh, book covers and calendars and uh, record albums, but also he did movie posters. And probably the single most famous work that, he's, that you have seen is he did the original movie poster for the original Star Wars in 1977, uh, which uh, was quite a trip because I, at nine years old, was a budding science fiction and fantasy fan, and uh, all of that led to, as my daughter actually reminded me, me being one of the first kids ever to see Star Wars in 1977. Wow, okay. All right, so, but it, the, the funny thing, Charles, is uh, as excited as I was about that, hmm. I'm even more excited about the illustrations that your dad did for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. That's actually what got him the job for Star Wars. So, uh, that's right. Uh, back in the 1970s, long before there was a Peter Jackson film, and long before there was a Ralph Bakshi film, and long before there was a Rankin-Bass adaptation, uh, the only real images that fans of Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings had were in the form of book illustrations and, at the time, again in the, in the mid-70s, a series of really prominent calendars and, of course, 
the, uh, the, the most famous of those would have been the uh, 1975, 1976, and 1977 J.R.R. Tolkien calendars, which, uh, yeah, those are, that was my dad and uh, his brother working on those. There you go. All right, so now I, I, I got really excited because, of course, we have you here. We're live on location at, from National Harbor at the Museum of Science Fiction's Escape Velocity. And I kind of lost myself, yeah. I, I got to admit, because I, I didn't mention the fact that in addition to you, that we have the great geek refuge is Mike Lunsford, who's also here with us. Indeed, I am. Yeah, all right. I just, I just got recognized by somebody that works with me. Oh, good. Yeah, you know, I saw that. <laughs> you know, guy. it's a, it's actually not surprising because, of course, as you, you were saying that, Gigi Edgley from Farscape walked in front of us to her booth. Oh, was that so who was wearing that sparkly dress? That was her, ah, yes. I saw exactly. the sparkly dress. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that's her. Okay, all right, but so, like I said, I've been losing myself because I'm so excited <laughs> so to, number stuff. one, to be here and to be, well, to be here doing the show. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a big deal. Anytime you get out doing one of these live remotes, I mean, it's really cool. And uh, I, I would be remiss, I'm going to thank him again at the conclusion of the show, but I also need to thank our wonderful chief engineer for WERA, Ted Schneider, who is engineering in the booth. So we are well taken care of. But uh, all that other stuff, I mean, your pedigree personally, as impressive and as much as I want to talk about that, what I want to talk more about is this wonderful event, Absolutely. Escape Velocity. Absolutely. And, of course, you are on the staff. I am. For, uh, I am. You know, I'm the, event, uh, you know. I am uh, the lawyer for this enterprise. Oh, oh. well, uh, you're, the, you're the perfect one to be talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I am. You case. can be assured that everything that I say is completely authorized. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so uh, I, I, yeah, I think uh, one of the things I'd like to say about Escape Velocity is that... Um, well, wait, we, wait, wait, wait. Hold ooh. on. Before you, before you get into that. All right. I, I, for those listeners who may not be familiar with the why of this convention, because the key is Museum of Science Fiction. So right. before you get into that, please right. tell us a little bit about the museum and why we're actually having this event, okay. if you don't mind. I, I don't. Thank I you. don't mind. Um, that's correct. So the Museum of Science Fiction is the group here in Washington, D.C., uh, who uh, we are trying to uh, create, uh, establish uh, a national museum of science fiction. Uh, and something on the order of the Spy Museum, something on the order of the Air and Space Museum. Uh, why isn't there a National Museum of Science Fiction? When you think about it, science fiction is, the, is obviously the literature of the future, but it's also sort of the quintessentially American art form. Um, and yet, I, wh what is science fiction except a vi uh, the vision of the future? And what is the U.S. except about the future? So... Uh, we, uh, there are about a hundred of us, roughly, uh, professionals uh, from all walks of life and all levels of expertise, and we are making the contacts, building the collection, working on programming, and slowly but surely raising money, making plans, and bringing that about. And as part of that effort, and to that end, we decided, you know what, we need to start putting on events uh, to build our awareness, to make more, make more contacts in the community. And so uh, this is one of our events, which is a, we've been doing a science fiction and science fact convention. Uh, uh, we, this is our fourth year, and uh, this year obviously is at the Gaylord National Harbor. Um, the, I, and just to can pick up on that for a minute, the, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, while I, it's a science fiction convention, I, I think it's safe to say that this is really very unlike uh, most science fiction conventions that 
No, I think people are familiar with today. I mean, um, well, I, I think today when you when you talk about a fan convention or a science fiction convention, what comes to mind is a comic con, and we are not a comic con. Uh, I, I like to think that we are a little bit more like what uh, science fiction and fan conventions were back in the 1970s. Mm, uh, sort of purity to the event. Yes, a purity to the event. Well, also, uh, and, and a different vision, right? Because, to, not, not that to say that there's anything wrong with a Comic-Con, but uh, it, it is a commercial venture, and and it's, it's pretty well focused on what it is, right? I mean, and again, nothing wrong with that, but it's not a, it's not a fan-run event. And we Escape Velocity is a fan-run, all-volunteer organization with an educational mission. And, and we are, we're certainly all about science fiction, and we have authors, and we have Gigi Edgley from Farscape, and we have Dominique Tipper from The Expanse here. Uh, but we also have astronauts and scientists and engineers and futurists. Um, we have people who are building that future that you, also, that you see and read about and, and the games you play. So it's that mix of both. And again, that was something that, that used to be pretty common in conventions in the 1970s, mm -hmm. which were a pretty even mix of science fiction and science fact. And, and, and I think that a lot of that element has sort of been filtered out over the years as conventions became more professionalized uh, money-making ventures. And we're trying to bring a little bit of that back. Well, we but of course, the and one of the things that I love personally about this particular event mm. is that connection to education right. because you know certainly I, based on what I'm seeing as far as uh, test scores and rankings the US is falling further and further behind uh, in terms of uh, fielding educated individuals right you know in the on the world stage yeah so you know steam education science technology engineering art math, is more important than ever. Right. And you know, so having this component where you actually have NASA astronauts and scientists and people involved in the commercial space program, this right. is this is critical right. to being able to inspire young minds because one of the things that all of these people will tell you practically to an individual is that they were inspired to pursue the fields in which they are excelling now based on their love for science fiction literature right. or science fiction television or science fiction movies right. you know, to an individual. Right, absolutely. I mean, you can't find a scientist or engineer who's not a Star Trek fan. I mean, it just that's the way it is. Uh, yeah, I, that, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, uh, that is our mission. Our, our mission is to encourage um, STEAM education, and, and we are really about STEAM, not STEM, and I think that's an important mm -hmm. distinction. I'm glad you raised it, which is that A stands for arts. Uh, which, you know, I got to say, that's that's just as much and just as important to the future of this country as science and technology and engineering, uh, because, uh, you know, I don't know where AI and automation is going, but I'm pretty sure that the one resource that will remain valued, that will be irreplaceable, is human creativity. That is the resource we need to cultivate, and that is what we're here to do. All right, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am coming to you live from National Harbor, the Gaylord Convention Center and Resort. This is Escape Velocity. It is the science fiction convention put on 
by the Museum of Science Fiction. I'm joined here uh, at our table by Charles Hildebrandt and the redoubtable Mike Lunsford of GGR. Yeah, Mike, no, come on, man. It's like, don't, you know, don't uh, jump in. <laughs> you know, you've been sitting over don't there. Don't redoubt I know, yourself. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I know you have thoughts. I do, I do. And the, the one thing, I, I, was, I was fortunate enough that I got to uh, have an interview with Charles. Uh, it's been about two weeks now. So it, it's, it's nice that you guys are getting to talk about the same things that we talked about as well. But one of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to kind of springboard off of, because this is about the Museum of Science Fiction, and it's something that I've noticed a lot of science fiction has identified for a very long time, is one of the things that you mentioned is, is even with, with AI, and, and it's uh, the things that it's doing in technology and it's doing for the future, human creativity is always important. Right. And uh, not just important. Vital. Essential, critical, yeah. vital, yeah. When you look at some of the key pieces of science fiction history, Star Trek, well, you Star Trek, The Next Generation, for example, mm -hmm. what was it that the that, uh, the start the Enterprise crew was able to do to defeat the Borg, this unstoppable juggernaut? It right. wasn't tactics, because the Borg can absorb that. It was creativity. Right. It mm. was thinking outside of the box. That's right. And science fiction identified that early on. Has there been anything that you've seen in modern science fiction that they've really identified as another key component of what it is to be human. Because wow, that's a fascinating question. So yeah. you're, you're, are you suggesting See, you that the... you thought I wasn't paying attention. No, no. I, well, I, 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 you're, it's true. I, I, I did. Uh, no, uh, hey, hey. no, no, no. It's I, fine. I, I got him on the show for a reason. Well, here's a question. Here's a question. Here's a question. Are you suggesting that the essence of being human is creativity? Is that what you're saying? Is that the, is that the proposition here? Is that what makes us uniquely human? I think there's more to it than just that. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that... One of the things that I've noticed... Dogs that, don't make art. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, they, they well. could, but the only people that can interpret it is humans. Right. Right. So are, are they making art, or are they just... Yeah. yeah well, that's whatever. right. That's right. It's well, one of the things that I... That is, it's become something that's much more prevalent in our society today. The use of, and almost overuse, of statistics and analytics and things like that. Right. So, like, everything is, everything is planned out. Everything is... This is going to happen because we've seen that 97.6% of the time, this is exactly what the result's going to be. Right. And I, I've and of course, And of course, that is never wrong. No, no, never, <laughs> ever, ever. It, it's never, ever been wrong. It's ever. never wrong. That's why no business fails. That's yeah. why the stock market always goes up and there's never a recession, right? Exactly, yeah. That's right. But right. It's, it, it's something I've seen in, that seems to be a new trend in science yeah. fiction, is they're taking this this feel because a lot of it is oh well we've got this all figured out because we we have the statistics to back it up okay, right. but there's that human element well, that you're missing that creativity yeah, that's that, right that's that inspiration yeah. well, because uh, numbers don't inspire people numbers don't inspire but that's also true but also I think it, touching on a, a somewhat larger point right like the best science fiction um, isn't really about a fantasy world that's made up the best science fiction is about the real world. Yeah. It's actually a metaphor. It's a, it's a way of looking at the real world in a different way to alert us through cautionary tales, but also to inspire us about for, for visions of the future. But it's really about right here and right now and the reality of it. Turning uh, the mirror on yourself. Turn the mirror on yourself in a way that you, 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 you might look at a story um, in one way, if, uh, yeah, set on an alien world, 
uh, that it'll remove your own prejudices, right? You'd be blind to this issue, these concepts, these problems when it's here and now, when, when it's happening to you. But when you see it on a when you see it on a science fiction show or read it in a book, well, now you can wake up and see it. Yeah, absolutely right. It's, I mean, I, 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 just to and I'm oh, sorry, monologue on that, but but yeah, <laughs> like no, so okay. the, the 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 foundational science fiction book, right? So books. H.G. Wells, right? The War of the Worlds. It's not really about the Martians invading England. It's about England invading the rest of the world. It's about imperialism. It's about class conflict. That's what it's really about. But it's showing you those issues in a way that you can see it happening to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. It always baffles me watching people on social media say things like, why does Star Trek and why does Star Wars have to be so political? You know, why can't it just be the stories? It's like, have you ever watched them before? Yeah, have you, uh, always, excuse me, yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you heard been. of Star Trek? Yeah, I, I, exactly. I'm sorry, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, Star Trek, well, I, I think Star Trek absolutely, explicitly so, right? Because Star Trek was uh, filled with allegories, right? Everything's an allegory in Star Trek. Some of them some of them naked and sort of ham-fisted, right? Like, let that be your last battlefield with mm. a guy with, who's white on one side of his face and the other guy's black on one side of his face, right? That's pretty primitive stuff. But the thing is, if you think about it, right, the War of the Worlds is just as sort of ham-fisted. It's just the same kind of naked allegory. But right, yeah, absolutely. Of course it's political. Mm-hmm. Of course. But, mm-hmm. you know, political, it's, what does that even mean? It's <laughs> social. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, as I like to say, it's real. It's about the real world. It's critical. But it's also giving you hope for the future. About the mm. message of Star Trek and a lot of science fiction is, yes, these are real problems and we need to address them, but we can move beyond them. We can be better than this. And, uh, and we we can find solutions. Yeah, and we have never needed hope more so than we need it now. <laughs> oh, good ah. gracious. <laughs> right, so look, look, I, I want to pivot back to... Uh, escape velocity sure. <laughs> yeah. for a minute. because yeah, so, we're here. Uh, yeah, well, you yeah. know. and it's wonderful you know, Yeah. So you, you talked about the museum, and yes. you talked about uh, the why for the convention, and you talked a little bit about the what. So, But let's, let's talk a little bit more about that, because, yeah. of course, there is still lots of time oh, yes. for people to come down. It's a three-day show. You know, started yesterday at noon, right. went through, uh, in fact, I, I want to say there were events, you know, panels and such, uh, right. going into the evening hours. Oh, Same yeah, kind of deal midnight. for tonight. Yeah, well, there you go, you wow. know, and, and tomorrow. So, you know, people can come out. What can they expect? When well, they come expect, out to this particular show, because well, you were drawing you, distinctions yeah, well, between this and one of these shows like yeah, uh, Awesome Con. So this is um, this is a this is a convention where you are coming to experience and you are coming to do things. It's not really a shopping place. I hate to say, you know, this is not a place where you're just coming to buy stuff. This is a place you're coming to learn. You're coming to meet people, uh, interact with them, learn new things, new perspectives. Learn some science, learn some technology, play with robots. <laughs> this is a place where you can program robots. It's a place where you can play with VR. This is a place where you can. Uh, well, let me just give you an example of, a, of, of an event that we have that uh, I think is pretty unusual. So, we, uh, again, as I pointed out, we, we are a, a, a group with a, uh, a wide net of contacts in the Washington, D.C. area. We're all professional levels, and, and uh, naturally, a lot of our contacts are in the government and military field. And uh, so one of the most interesting things we're presenting, for instance, tonight is something called the National Security Decision-Making Game Science Fiction Edition. (laughs) So um, this is a huge multiplayer live-action role-playing game, Crisis Simulation. This is a convention version 
of the Department of Defense and CIA and intelligence community simulation, crisis simulations that are used by the government get to game out potential scenarios. So in this, in this game, which anyone can participate in, you take on a role, but you're, you know, it's like any other role-playing game, but you're not playing a fighter or a thief. You're playing the CIA director <laughs> or the prime minister of Russia or the, the head of a union of asteroid miners. Who knows? And a crisis unfolds in real time, and you have to deal with it. And you have your own agenda, you have your own desires, and you got to work with others and, and win. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that, again, that's, that's unique. This is unique to the Museum of Science Fiction and to Escape Velocity. Um, this is a, yeah, uh, I think I also want to point out this is a, this is a convention for adults and for kids. Um, mm, we I'm have a lot of kids. Yeah, mm. we have a we have a big selection of youth-oriented activities, um, teaching kids to draw comics and again programming and and uh, and just learning and discovery about astronomy, a little bit of everything for anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like I said, I'm seeing a lot of kids, a lot of families. Yeah, and you know, you're right. It is a significant departure from what you see at a lot of uh, convention kind of events. But there are some similarities. We've seen yep. a lot of costumes yes. and some great costumes, yeah, too. I, that's yeah, that's true. Co- that's a very traditional element. Cosplay is a huge part of mm. Escape Velocity. Uh, tonight we have our uh, cosplay dance-off. Ooh. Forget, I, I expect to see you there, Ulysses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm afraid I left my costume at home. Uh, did you leave your dancing at home? <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, you, my wife will tell you I don't dance, I'm afraid. Uh, but I'm happy, I'm happy to come wa- out and support and those who do. My, my <laughs> wife will, will, will back that up about me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I tell you what, um, you know, so in terms of the convention itself, if people, I mean, because shoot, really what you need to do is you need to just get in your car yeah. and drive out here is what you need to do. It's a beautiful day. I mean, it's gorgeous. You couldn't ask oh, for yeah. better weather. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, you know, holiday weekend and all that. I mean, perfect time to get out and, you know, make new friends. But uh, there's a website where you can actually find right. out more about the show. That's what, right. What, what so is that can, website? You can go to escapevelocity.events. And frankly, if you just type in escape velocity under to Google, I think we are the second item on there. So uh, after the Wikipedia entry for literally escape velocity. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, you can take a look at that. And we have, uh, you can see our vast array of programming uh, of all sizes and arrays and types uh, all nicely laid out there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some great guests on yes. top of everything. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the guests because, so, I mean, real, the broad range of folks, too. Right. Mm-hmm. As I think we started off by talking about, of course, we have entertainment mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have Dominique Tipper, who plays Naomi Nagata on The Expanse, Amazon's uh, wonderful science fiction show. We yeah. have uh, we have Gigi Edgley from Farscape, if you are of the right age to remember <laughs> Farscape. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, we have uh, Morgan Gendel, who is the screenwriter for The Inner Light, probably Star Trek's The, the Next Generation's most famous episode. That's mm-hmm. Picard playing the flute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only episode of Star Trek to win a Hugo Award other yeah. than City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. Ah, Shocking. Point. Shocking. Yes. It's yeah. like I watch mm-hmm. Star Trek or It's something. almost <laughs> as if you do. Um, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. and he's right here. Uh, and, and, uh, and so, you know, and, and, and further than that. 
But uh, we also have, you know, NASA scientist C. Alex Young. And, uh, and, and uh, we have uh, Paul Steimers. Here's, here's something oddball. We got Paul Steimers, who's the head of the commercial space launch law practice for the giant law firm of K&L Gates. Oh, He's my here. goodness. You know, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is because uh, I saw uh, Antoine Glover. Yes. Is he still here? Uh, you know, I, I actually don't know the answer to that. Of course, okay. we showed Prospect, his mm-hmm. film, last night uh, as part of our mm-hmm. film festival, which, of course, is another item on the list. You know what? Oh, let me talk about that because that's mm-hmm. a fun thing coming up. Oh, yeah, and that's uh, coming up tonight. Uh, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's running all today, but in particular, uh, this evening, we are showing the Alien Universe 40th Anniversary Short Films. Ooh. 20th mm-hmm. Century Fox commissioned earlier this year in celebration of the 40th anniversary of Alien, uh, Fox commissioned a number of short movies in a giant contest, and they picked six winners from all of the many, many submissions. Uh, They've been releasing those films week by week um, uh, over the past month or so on YouTube, but we have them to show on the big screen, and we (laughs) are the only place in the world where you can watch these on the big screen. Oh my this is goodness. it. In mm-hmm. addition to seeing those films, we have a whole lot of behind-the-scenes uh, background information on the on those short films from the filmmakers themselves. We also have the documentary filmmaker who is responsible for uh, every, just nearly every, if not every, uh, behind-the-scenes feature and featurette on the Alien series that you see on all those DVD box sets. You know, the the making of aliens, superior firepower, and all those, all those dozens of things. There's one guy who made mm. all of those, and he's here with us today, tonight, and he's going to be giving commentary uh, on the alien short films as they unfold in front of you. Again, wow. that's a little something making the way in which escape velocity is pretty different from uh, most other conventions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in addition to the, uh, and, and of course, science fiction fans come in all shapes, sizes, colors, yes. uh, background, all of that. And, and I'm yeah. seeing such a beautiful, diverse, yes. tap- rainbow tapestry right. of people at this convention, young right. and old, you know, like I said, uh, so, black, white, all this. I mean, absolutely. You know, uh, you know out- outreach is a huge part of what the Museum of Science Fiction is all about. And I think that uh, uh, historically, maybe unfairly, but, but historically, science fiction has been viewed as a kind of thing for white men, right? Mm. Certainly it had that stigma. For a long time, I think it's changed. Well, every, everything was for white men. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's the United States. Oh, you're you right, know? right, right. All right. Yeah, absolutely true. That's true. Right, right. But but you think about it, it's kind of mm. funny, right? Science fiction is, of course, about the future and about yeah. breaking boundaries. So yeah. why would it be something for old white men when it's all about it's all about thinking outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. So no, uh, we're that is one of the things we we really we really focus on. We want to address that. We want to make sure that that science fiction is for everyone. Right. And, and science fiction is about everyone. It isn't just stories of white men. It isn't just mm-hmm. for white men. And, and not to say there's anything wa- wrong with being a white man, because I am one. <laughs> Some of my best friends are white men. Some of my best men. friends <laughs> are white men. You're saying I have wh- I'm saying I have white friends. I'm just saying that. So, there's room at the table for all. Sorry, there's room at the table. There you go. That's right. Thank and, you and, for uh, cleaning that up, Mike. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so happy to be of assistance. No, it's no problem. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, no, no. And, and, and it's, I'm actually very happy that you noticed that because mm-hmm. uh, it is something we strive for. It's something we strive for in our 
in our outreach to mm -hmm. different groups, but it's also something you strive for in the programming. You know, we we, oh, we, yeah. we think about who who is this for? Like, you know, is this gonna is this gonna expand the the the, the footprint, the shadow of science fiction into a larger group? And mm. we think about trying to do that, so yeah. that's wonderful. Well, because that's important too. Yeah. I mean, we you know some people think that this this stuff basically propagates itself. No, you know, no, no, no it does not. No. Yeah, you know, you you need people carrying the torch forward. Right. You know? I mean, and uh, you know, people don't get you know how how old science fiction really is. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it almost literally as long as people have been looking up at the sky. But I, I some of the earliest work that I read, you know, the right. work of Jules Verne, right. you know, for example, uh, yeah. you know, and I was, I'm in second grade checking out 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, right. you know, yeah, mean, well, absolutely, the school absolutely. library, I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, the fact that so much of this, and, and, and again, this is part of the reason that I love the fact that there's an actual science component to this, yep. because what you imagine, you know, hey, you know, you imagine this stuff at one point, and then it becomes real, you know. And then, especially, you look at where we are today, because, you know, this is the 50th anniversary this summer of uh, the Apollo moon landing. Right. You know. Mm. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, but that but that musical cue means that it is time for us to take a short break, because of course, Fantastic Forum is coming to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, which is a community radio station, which means, among other things, that we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. And we'd very much like for you to consider becoming an underwriter of the content of the station or, dare I say, a sponsor of one or more of the individual programs found here on WERA. Visit the website at WERA.FM where you can not only stream the content of the station, but you can find out how to get involved in this wonderful institution that is community media, that is community radio. So I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am here at the, the Museum of Science Fiction's Escape Velocity in National Harbor. And we have been talking to uh, the wonderful Charles Hildebrandt uh, I'm also joined by Mike Lunsford of GGR. We're going to step aside for a couple of moments because we have to acknowledge our underwriters. And I want to uh, play uh, some promos for some of the other shows that are coming up later tonight on 96.7 FM. But stick around because we'll be back from Escape Velocity right after this.